What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. March has arrived, and we are only weeks away from the big tournament, that tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get on in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting on March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action, and with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL, and if you're into that, are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure that you use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the King's record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like King's basketball. Oh. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. There's no Rich on the episode today, but we have Will of Sacktown Royalty. How are you doing today, Will? Good. How's it going tonight, Brendan? I am doing good, man. Appreciate you coming on and taking the time. And we're recording this right after the Raptors game, which was the second night of a back-to-back where Sacramento went and beat the Portland Trailblazers in a big game of teams that were tied for the ninth seed and really just had an outlier shooting night. You know, when you make 21 threes, which is going to tie your season high for three pointers made in a game. Uh, you're going to win that more likely than not. And then when you come and play Toronto, it you go back home and play Toronto, I should say, it is a completely different defense that you're up against. And I, I think Sacramento felt that at the beginning, um, just the intensity and like really Toronto's in your shorts when they come across half court. So could you kind of notice the um, the starters and really I, I'm kind of thinking of Fox and Giles seemed a little rattled by that now yeah I, I really do think that to start the game off the uh, the Kings kind of got hit with a sucker punch right off the bat the uh, the Raptors are first in the league in opponents points per game I think they give up less than 107 a game and the Kings came out with a little of uh, I don't want to say a little overconfidence but they uh, they found themselves in a hole early and it was completely expected yeah, but, you know, that, that bench unit comes in. Well, Buddy was the first one to come in, and he got himself going a little bit offensively. Um, and then, I mean, when you see the likes of Holmes and Joseph and Bazemore, I, I mean, just the energy, and those aren't guys that are going to get punked by anyone. Like, they are on the floor after every loose ball. They're completely with the physicality, um, and the bench in this game totally turned it around. Absolutely. You, you, I, there was a, you were talking about not getting punked by anybody and it brought me back to uh, Alex Len the other night against CJ McCollum getting shoved around. 
there's a little bit of grit and fire with these guys that we were kind of lacking before the all-star break. And uh, the thought that came to my mind was Bielitsa um, tonight running and diving for a loose ball. And really he saved, had somebody been there, it would have been a nice play, but he was, he was on the ground ready to go for it. And that's something that was kind of missing from the Kings earlier in the season that I think those bench guys uh, really, really, really bring to the table. Yeah, it's funny because I had hyped up the bench so much going into the year and, you know, thinking of like Deadman, who I thought was going to be starting, but you look at Deadman, you look at Ariza, um, and those guys had moments when they were out there where the effort wasn't there and you could kind of feel their mood of just not being fully engaged. And that is so not the case when you look at Bazemore and Len. Like I, I never would have thought those guys would feel like upgrades over Ariza and and Deadman, but that that's really what it is. And yeah, you mentioned even Bielitsa today having that energy and really a good defensive effort from him. Like he has limitations and he's never going to be good on defense, but he, he had a nice recovery block. He did a decent job of staying in front of his guys. They have him in that show defense that I think he did. He did an okay job tonight defensively, which, which was big considering he was playing um, some crucial minutes down the stretch. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that uh, I think that this is the bench unit we expected from the Kings all year, finally coming out and uh, and uh, I mean we got it on a lucky trade with Portland, but we're I mean they're rolling off the bench. They're absolutely rolling, and that includes uh, that includes Buddy Heald, whether he likes it or not. He's doing a fantastic job off the bench. Yeah, we'll get to the Buddy thing a little bit, um, but I think that's going to be a little bit of a long conversation. So I'm going to wait a second before we reach there. Um, Fox in this one was phenomenal, especially in that fourth quarter. Like he had a stretch where he took over and two off the dribble threes uh, from the same left left slot on the floor uh, that were ginormous. And a huge thing for him is going 10 of 10 from the free throw line. Like we know he can get there, but to knock down all 10 of them is ginormous for Fox. You know, he not only hit those two threes from the left side, but he also drew a foul there in a crucial in a crucial last bit of that fourth quarter. Right, and the and one was ginormous. Absolutely, he um he's starting to grow not only as a shooter but as a passer too. There was a couple of times in the fourth quarter. I'm I'm thinking of that Rashawn Holmes pass that he got for an and one that he's starting to really pick his spots to where he's challenging the defense to come up to him, only to find somebody open right around the basket. There were so many times where he rushed down the court and then hit the brakes and found somebody for a spot there. It's, it's interesting to see him grow as a passer. If he can really use that speed to throw defenses off, like there's little flashes of that where I see him really, really improving here in the last bit of the season. Definitely. It brings me back to like, you know, start of the year when he was at Team USA and he mentioned that passing was the big thing that he felt like he was really working on this offseason. And a guy that he had mentioned he was looking at a lot was Kemba Walker, um, who probably isn't regarded as, or really when you think of Kemba, you don't think of a great passer, but he definitely is with the amount that obviously he had the ball in his hands in Charlotte. And yeah, I mean, Fox, I can think of a play, like you said, the Holmes one. And then also in the first half, he's starting to manipulate guys with his eyes. Even he looked a guy in the corner. I think it was bogey standing in the corner and did this drop off pass between two guys to Alex Len for an easy dunk. And Alex Len had some monster dunks tonight by the way like I, I rave about Alex Len enough but he was just great down low in the paint um and talking about Fox the same spot where he had those two threes that he knocked down that were ginormous at the end of the game he shot one I want to say the Kings were down 
three. They might've been down four, but it was, it was within the last minute and it didn't feel like a good shot. Like Fox is hitting those, but I'm a little split because you like to see him have the confidence to be rising up for that, but it wasn't a good look. How did you feel about him taking that three at the end? I'm, I'm kind of torn here because um, as much as I would like to believe the Kings are in a playoff push and whatnot, I also just, just personally would, would I value as much of that as developing those young guys. I want De'Aaron Fox taking that shot and, and living and dying by those shots. I want him to feel that in the offseason knowing like, shoot, we were at, the, at that time he can look back at the season. We were three games out of it. I had a three that I could have pulled up for. And, and, and had I hit that, we had won that game. And so that pushes him a little bit harder. Like, I'm uh, as exciting as it is to be the ninth seed. I, I want I want more than eight an eight seed next year. I want something that'll withstand the test of time that we can go five, six, seven years in the playoffs. And if De'Aaron Fox misses that shot and next year he hits it because he's been practicing it, I I eat the punch and I live with it a little bit. I I, I like the confidence in him. I, I like that he has the confidence to take it, even though he's like thirty one percent from three on the year. Yeah. He was feeling it a little bit. I, I justify it. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I think I might have preferred him driving, but I mean that he was feeling it from from that range, and like we said, he just hit a couple from there, and he wasn't far off either. I think he back rimmed it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you definitely can live with those a little bit, and then I think we can move to this this buddy healed situation. So he played 24 minutes in this one, um, and really was on I I thought for a good stretch there I mean his box score doesn't look great four of 12 from the field three of eight from deep with two turnovers ended with 11 points Uh, but I I mean I thought he was really important offense in that first half when when things were not clicking to start and then I I don't have exactly how many minutes he didn't play for in front of me I'll find it uh, during our conversation at some point but it, it had to be like 30 minutes of real time that Buddy was sitting on the bench. And for, for him to not be on the floor, the guy that's the three-point champion, like that is literally what Buddy does is come and hit threes. And when you're down three, 13 seconds left, you need a bucket. For him to not be out there was just – it, it was puzzling. Like I, I don't know – I can't really justify that. Can you? You were at the game, right? I was. So I don't know if you caught this, but I don't know if you saw it on Twitter on the way home or whatever, but the, uh, the, uh, the mics, like the crowd mics picked up a guy yelling I to did Luke see this. <laughs> about like, he's the three point champion. Where's buddy? Where's buddy? And it was one of those things that when that lineup came out, it was like, well, hold on a second here. Like buddy healed is not uh, like, not in this play. Like, okay, maybe they, I figured it was going to be one of those things that, Oh, maybe they line up a team. They call another timeout just as a feint for something else. And no, I, I, I think it's inexcusable. I think, I mean, Buddy Heald is, is your guy. When you think of the three-point shooter on the Kings, that's, that's Buddy Heald. And Nemanja Bielitz is a big-time shooter, sure. But he, he I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't on fire. There was no justifiable reason that it went to a fadeaway off, a, off your off-leg three, you know, real early in that. We had, I think there was 12 seconds left, and he pulled it real quick. It yeah. was a little puzzling to me. I, I, I wondered what the decision was there. Yeah, Bielitz is definitely not like an off-the-dribble guy. I mean, he's the one you want shooting if Buddy's not in there. But, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't see a reason for Buddy to not be out there. It looks like, uh, looking through the NBA.com play-by-play, that 
just Buddy sat at the end of the fourth and didn't play since then. And I, I saw quotes from Walton that, you know, the, the unit was running really well, that they, the scoring was not the issue in the fourth quarter. But the very last play, like, you need a bucket like that. He definitely needs to be out there. And, like, when I, like you said, I was at the game, and I couldn't help be watching Buddy the entire time that he's sitting on the bench of this fourth quarter. And he is like the entire bench is very into it. They're getting up, they're hyping, hyping up the guys that are on the floor. They're trying to get the crowd going. And buddy is just sitting on the bench while everybody else is standing. And you could just, I mean, you could just tell he's unhappy and you can't blame him. Um, I, I mean, he might be a little much, but when you get to a point like that, where, I mean, he really should be playing. But, like, even after the the big and one from Fox, they had the stadium loud. And, by the way, Golden 1 Center was loud tonight. Like, I've been to a good amount of games this year, and it, it was the loudest one I've been to yet. Um, so the, the fans were amazing. But after the and one, Buddy didn't even get out of his seat until 10 seconds after it had already gone in and everybody else was getting up. Like, he is clearly unhappy with how his situation is getting handled in his minutes. And you – you, I mean, you can't really blame him here. He has his mistakes. He has his defensive issues. But, the, I mean, there's moments he just needs to be out there. No, absolutely. If to have somebody who's averaging 32 minutes a game, play 24 minutes, who, who's just been sat on the bench, who you just paid, you know, 90-plus million dollars for, right. uh, that's, that's entirely a coaching thing. Uh, I mean, I'll give it to management as well. Maybe you shouldn't have given him the $90 million. Maybe, but uh, that's that's entirely a coaching thing, and Buddy's allowed to be unhappy for that. Buddy is averaging twenty points a game. He's he's a th- again. We, we'll bring this up again. He's the three point champion. He's shooting almost forty percent from three this season, and to be sitting and only playing twenty four minutes in a big game with playoff implications for the Kings is it as much as you want to say, oh, you you know, you dance with the girl that brought you. You know, you you put the lineup out there that got you that far. Like at some point, merit points don't matter three points do and buddy Hield's one of the best in the league at getting those three points. Right. Uh, definitely just, just confusing on that one. And, and I will say like, I mean, Walton's do some credit with the way that the team has been playing. The half court offense has really improved this year. The defense is going well. He, he seems to be able to get some of these guys motivated to go out there. Um, but yeah, this one is, is definitely a, a little bit of a slip up there um, that, that really could have cost them this game. And then the other question that I think that I, I, I want to ask you here is what do you think of this center rotation? Now that Rashawn Holmes is back, you know, he played in the Blazers game. He only played 19 minutes, 10 points, eight boards. And then he played 19 again in the, in the Toronto one as well. So I, I didn't see a post anywhere of what his minute restriction is, but it's looking like it's about 20 around there. Um, but the rim protection with him and Len compared to Giles is just night and day. Like Giles does not have really any rim protection. I don't feel like he'll, he'll occasionally get a nice block. And actually now that I say that, I think of the monster one that he had, I think in Chicago, but he's just not fundamental defensively. Uh, We know about his foul issues. And in this one, I think he started the third quarter since he was part of that starting lineup. And once he got pulled, he didn't come back in. What do you think of like, so I think it's obvious Holmes is going to start when, when he's fully healthy. What do you think of the whole Len versus Giles thing as the backup center? Well, I think, I think as long as you're pushing for the playoffs, as long as you are putting yourself out there as, Hey, we're making a run for it. I think it's gotta be Alex Len. as much as 
Harry Giles, um, you know, creates a little bit of dynamic uh, of a dynamic thing there on the offensive end, being able to pass from from the from the free throw line and whatnot. I think Alex Len is just a big body, and I think Harry Giles is still 21. He's still figuring out the weight room. He's still figuring out how he's going to block shots without fouling. If you're pushing for the playoffs, it's Alex Len. And honestly, right now Alex Len is playing better, just just pound for pound, playing better than Harry Giles. I think it's got to be a rotation of Rashawn Holmes, Alex Lynn. You bring in Bielitsa when you can. And then Harry Giles gets spot minutes in between there. And, and Kent Bazemore, Harrison Barnes can play that four if you need to in a small lineup. But Al- Alex Lynn is the guy to go with if you're pushing for the playoffs. Yeah, which is so crazy to say. But I, I would agree. And I think that you can play with Harry, but you have a short leash with him because Len is – is kind of old reliable right now in regards to what he's doing out there. Like he had been starting to shoot threes in his career, especially last season, but I don't believe he shot a single one during his time in Sacramento. He's just being a ginormous seven footer that's rolling hard and doing a great job getting boards and putting them back up. Um, So you know what you're getting with Len and Giles is a little bit more of a wild card. I think you can play with it sometimes, but I would agree. I think that the, majority of the backup minutes need to be going to Alex Lynn. And I've seen Tim putting this out there. And Walton also said in his post-game presser that he was going to uh, consider a change to the starting lineup after he looked over the film. So, And I'm assuming that just means the Holmes thing, obviously. Um, but I've seen Tim being vocal on Twitter tonight about starting Baysmore as well. Um, and moving Barnes to the four. And I'm happy to see Barnes playing the four a lot more often now. Ever wonder why traditional button-ups look so long and baggy? It's because they were never meant to be worn that way. Untucked shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, their shirts are the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untucked shirts look great on all tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Don't just take my word for it, try Untucked for yourself. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for 20% off your first order. What do you think of starting Bazemore and sliding Bielitsa to the bench. I don't mind that only because Kent Bazemore brings that, that special sauce. He's, he's got that energy that we're lacking. He is uh, the better version of Iman Shumpert. And, and I think that fire deserves a spot in the starting lineup. The Kings are successful when they have him out there. I, I, I caution about using um, Harrison Barnes as, as a, the main four only because you're really spreading yourself small and thin. But in terms of starting a lineup that way to try to get hot on the offense, I, I mean, you're throwing spaghetti at the wall right now. You're, you're pushing for that playoff spot. And, and if, you, if you find a lineup that works, then, then go with it. I mean, you have nothing to lose but, but another year of, 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 you know, the playoffs. At this point, I, I, I suggest doing the thing that you think works the best no matter how crazy it is. Right. And I think that 
I, I'm not upset if Bazemore doesn't start, though, because I, I think there's something about having that energy coming in off the Absolutely. bench, as long as there is an energy with that starting group. Because like, we didn't really see that tonight. But I think when Holmes is out there um, and fully healthy, that that'll be good for – that he could supply that energy because none of like Fox, Barnes, Bogey, or if you look at Bielitsa, have like that fire – to them with like maybe in the way that they play, but their attitude, it doesn't seem to get the other guys really, really amped up. And like, you know, Bazemore and Holmes are, and Giles are out there waving at the crowd to get them to be louder and all this. And it's just like, you need that from your starting lineup. So as long as that's there, I don't mind Bazemore coming off the bench, but I could also be totally fine with him starting here. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a tough loss, but, Overall, like you gotta, I know moral victories kind of suck, but you're playing the, what I believe was the third best record in the NBA. Like I I feel good coming out of this one. I don't feel good about their playoff chances, but I feel good about the basketball that the Kings are playing. Absolutely. I, I, I I think that you can, I mean, give it another two or three games, but the playoffs as the playoffs sink further and further and further away, you can at least, you know, hold on to the fact that the Kings are playing their best basketball of the year. At, at the most opportune time of the year. You know, it, it sucks that it didn't come 10 games in or 20 games in, but to see it now is, is a small, you know, comforting fact and, and building hype towards next season in trying to correct what this season was overall. It, you can go into next season. If, if the Kings continue to play at this level, losing to high caliber teams, losing to, to the second seed in the Eastern Conference is nothing to snuff, to snuff at. You know, I, you, can at least, you can at least justify – the decision to, you know, silly things like, oh, should we bring Luke Walton back next year? Should Vladi Divac get another year? As much as we can, we can moan and cry about it, at least you can justify it slightly with the way this run is happening towards the end of the season. Yeah, you definitely can. Um, I, I definitely see that. And every game feels like the biggest one of the season right now, which is, which is fun, but I'm sure it's tiring on these guys, but they're going out there and they're, they're definitely giving it their all. Like this, this Toronto game, I, I think, like you said, you point out the Bielitsa play. There's one where uh, Holmes is on the floor, and so is Barnes. These guys are out there playing hard, and Fox taking over the game at the end is just huge for the future of this team. Like he, it's been said a lot this year by by Walton and others within the organization that they keep calling him the head of the snake. And that is exactly obviously what this guy is. He is your franchise player moving forward. And for him to be killing it is, is ginormous uh, moving forward for this team. And the next game that you're looking again, you're looking at is the one nationally televised game. If you're not counting NBA TV, <laughs> which is hilarious. And it's literally just because every Pelicans game is nationally televised, but they are playing another team that they are, really competing with this eight seed four. Um, and the Pelicans are tied now in, in the ninth spot with the Kings. They're both four games out. Like it, it's looking like it's probably going to go to Memphis, but the Pelicans have the easiest remaining schedule with 18 games left. I mean, this is just, uh, again, it's, it's the biggest game of the year, like most of these really are moving forward. But I feel pretty good about Sacramento's chances going into this one. Yeah, I absolutely think so. As good of a team as the Pelicans have been since Zion Williamson has come back uh, from his injury, or I guess I should say debuted, um, I, I, I think the Kings playing as they did tonight, especially on the defensive end, 
I think I think that they could handle I think they could handle the Pelicans. It's just a matter of coming out with that same fire, regardless of whether or not you're four games back or half a game back in the playoffs. The Kings are are ruled by their energy, as most teams are, but they've got a couple of guys in a Baysmore in a Rashawn Holmes that they can really, really, really use to fire them up. And if, you know, if I guess my confidence lies in the fact that if the Kings can come out here knowing full well that the, the playoffs probably aren't happening and they can still kick the crap out of the Pelicans, I'm, I'm going to have some reserved excitement for next year. Uh, if they come out and just blow it away, like we've seen them do earlier this season, you know, they're just kind of lethargic and they don't care. Mm, then, then there's some, there's some, you know, cause for concern. But the Kings have got a shot. The Kings have got a shot of beating this Pelicans team. It's just a matter of how they come out and play with fire. Definitely, I mean, they they showed up for the Portland game. Another team they were tied with for the ninth seed. I do obviously. It's not that short term memory that I have to think of the Detroit and Washington game where. They pulled out wins, but the Detroit game, I think it was an 18-1 start. The Washington one, what was it, a 28-point lead at halftime that was a tie game by the end of the third. So, yeah, you you definitely can't take any games off or any teams for granted. And I don't expect them to do that against the Pelicans. But it's an interesting point to talk of this lineup change because, I mean, Harry Giles would get abused by Zion because Zion just powers through, guys. You mentioned Giles kind of needing to put on a little bit of muscle. I mean, that's definitely the case. Um, I don't think he could do the Zion thing and Bielitsa guarding Zion, which is, I believe what the matchup would be sounds just horrendous. It sounds like 5,000 the first quarter for Bielitsa. If we had him out there, it just, I mean, Zion Williamson is a freaking nature as it is. Nobody's going to stop him. They're only going to contain him. But if you have hope for it, it's going to be in Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, and, you know, I I somewhat worry that Holmes could get taken off the dribble. So, I mean, maybe you try Barnes there a little bit, but then obviously the question is, he's strong enough? Um, I mean, you're going to need some help. So I think, like, if you had a Barnes and Holmes kind of working with him, um, that that you could could survive on that one a little bit. And, And you can't sleep on guys like, obviously, Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. I mean... It's a, it's a talented roster that you're going up against for sure. And then, yeah, I mean, so what are we hmm, – I don't know what else to cover here. I know – I guess a random thought also. I know earlier today that Buddy, for some reason, was guarding Kyle Lowry a lot. Um, and I know we kind of moved on from the post game, but this just popped into my head again. And I, I still don't understand why Buddy is occasionally getting thrown on the best player. Like, I realize it's Kyle Lowry or Norman Powell, and Norman Powell's been on fire recently, but Fox is out there with Buddy. Like, Fox needs to be the one guarding Lowry. I think this is all coaching. I think they're trying to take a Buddy Heald, who should be a Clay Thompson on offense, who should be catching and shooting, and trying to turn him more into a Jamal Crawford, trying to make him more of a two-way player. I, I don't think it's working. I think that exposes Buddy. I think that lowers any sort of confidence that he has on either end of the floor. Um, but I, I, I solely see that as the coach is justifying, well, you know, you got, you got burned by Kyle Lowry, so you're not playing tonight. Well, you got burned by yeah. Norman Powell, so you're sitting tonight. We, we need a defense with this. We're a defensive team first and foremost. And I, I, I can see it very easily as an excuse by the coaching staff of, oh, well, we didn't play Buddy Heald tonight because he couldn't guard Kyle Lowry, a great point guard. That's not Buddy Hield's fault. That's just his limitation. 
Right. And and like to be fair, buddy's not innocent in this by any means. Like he, no. he is a terrible defender, and he had a couple possessions today with some really bad turnovers. Um, but he's getting dealt a little bit of an unfair unfair hand at times with this. Absolutely, twenty four minutes a game for a guy who's making ninety mil plus a year. Uh, uh, that scares me. That scares me a little bit, and I can very easily see Buddy Heald asking for a trade in the offseason just to free himself for time to find a team that's willing to let him just play on the offensive end and be hidden on the defensive end. And I don't think the Kings are willing to do that with the current coaching staff. Yeah. And I mean, if we're talking trades, this is lowering his trade value too. It makes him look worse in that way as well. Um, Yeah. So I guess a real quick look at the playoff race that's going on. I mentioned we're four games behind the Sacramento Kings are four games behind the Memphis Grizzlies in the eighth seed. The Pelicans are tied with the Kings there. And then the Portland Trailblazers are, four and a half games and then you fall to five games for the Spurs who I mean all of these teams it's difficult to catch up four games in 18 remaining games on the year but you know I guess you start to get a little bit of hope when you see like Memphis has the second hardest schedule um, and you worry about New Orleans like I previously mentioned having the easiest one Sacramento's like top 10 easiest schedule so I mean, maybe you could power through, but we've been giving percentages um, on occasion here throughout the year of the likelihood we think of them making the playoffs. And at this point, like it's starting to get more and more thin for me. But where are you at? I think last time we, Sanjesh and I had put it about 10%. I think that's about right. I could, I could see it being as high as 15 uh, far less than a coin flip, you know, I, far less than a roll of the dice. It's just, it's really tough, especially the Kings turned it on so late in the year that you really can't, you can't place it anything higher than 15%. They just, 18 games remaining, you're still trying to get through, you know, at least one, maybe two teams above you. You and St. Judge had it right. I'll say 10% is just about right. Yeah, I, I can stick with 10% at this point. And, yeah, I mean, with each passing game, Memphis really playing well. They're kind of out of that slump they were in for a little while that I think we're giving people hope. Um, it, it's definitely not not looking too good. And it's funny, I think last episode, Rich and I, we did a little bit of a and a and we got a question, Rich, what is it going to take for you to believe that the playoffs are a chance? And he texted me at the end of this Toronto game tonight before, while it was this last – you know, two minutes that take 30, really. And he was like, you know, if they pull this win off, I will believe. And they were so <laughs> close, so close to getting Rich to believe <laughs> on this one. And, I mean, it, I understand this would have been a very – it gives you a lot of momentum if you can go and say – and I think they already have that. I think you can feel good about how you played in this one, but it would have been very big to be able to say that you beat one of the top two teams in the Eastern conference and move forward that way. But yeah, I'm probably sitting about 10% here. Um, and after this new Orleans one, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get easy, easier. You play Brooklyn who I, I guess is questionable. Um, but then you got Dallas, Houston, Orlando, new Orleans again. So they're in the middle of this really tough stretch that they lose out a couple more of these. All of a sudden your hopes could be gone. But again, I mean, they're playing good basketball, something that, 
the I think the fans are feeling good about and you can feel decent about heading into next season. And if you just have more games like this of Fox really taking over to close, that in itself is a complete success moving forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's all I got for this one, Will. Is there anything else you want to get in, man? No, no. I think uh, I think I said it when uh, I was writing a preview for the Philadelphia game, uh, which of course they lost in uh, embarrassing fashion. I said that the Kings would have to win. They'd have to go 4-0 and over the stretch between Philly, Portland, Toronto, and then the Pelicans. Uh, they'd have to go 4-0 and or 3-1 and for me to believe that they were a true playoff. Like, this is a team of destiny, you know, a team that's not as good as they should be making a run for the playoffs. Uh, they can finish no, no greater than 2-2 two and two on this one. Uh, I, I stay skeptical of it. As, as nice as it is to watch good basketball, that's a, that's a consolation prize for it. I, I really don't think they're getting in. I'm sorry, Rich. I wish they could have pulled it out for you. It would have been embarrassing and fun to see you uh, be a playoff guy, but that, that's just not going to happen this year. Yeah, and that, that Philadelphia felt like the one that they should have taken, obviously. I mean, no Simmons, no Embiid, but again, I mean, you're going to have outlier games that win you ones, like, like in Portland, and other teams are going to do the same. I think that Philadelphia knocking down – 46% of their threes and shake Milton and Alec Burks going off on you is just, I mean, these are all every guy that you come up against is in the NBA for a reason. Anyone can go off on you. And I think that that just kind of happened in that one a little bit. They could have played some better defense, but a little bit of an outlier one. And every single one of those is really going to hurt down the stretch. Yeah. This is why you can't lose, you know, five games to start the season, go on a losing streak of nine, go on a losing right. streak of six. If you want the playoffs, you have to play at least semi-consistent basketball and the Kings haven't done it. And that's come back to bite them now when they're close enough to run for it. You wouldn't have to have a do-or-die game with a Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid-less Sixers game if you would have not lost nine in a row, you know, in December. And then it's just, that's just the fact of life. And, the, you know, the Kings are – I can't even say they're a young team. The Kings' stars are young and they'll, they'll have many games left to where they'll have playoff basketball in mind. It just isn't going to be this season. Yeah, you know, losing to New York at home, like you mentioned, that losing stretch in December. Yeah, the Detroit game was terrible, Um, just injured everywhere. Um, And, yeah, I mean, maybe you can hope that, obviously, the Kings probably don't have this level of talent that they did, but, like, you can think of the – um, I just drew a blank. The, the Nuggets that year that they missed the playoffs on the very last game of the season. I don't know if Sacramento will get to that point this year or anything, but the next year they come back and just realize the importance of every single game because they missed it by one game. And, you know, you could hope that you're playing good basketball to close it out. It carries over into next year and you have that mentality going into next season. That's what Vladi and Luke are hoping for. That's what I hope for too. Same here. I think that's what everybody in Sacramento is hoping for. But that is going to do it for this episode, Will. Thanks for coming on and taking the time out of your day, man. No problem. Thank you very much for having me, Brandon. Yeah, and thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. You'll hear from us again in the next couple of days. Okay, parachute's ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto alert rates as slow as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the 
sure. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.